Well, hey, welcome back to the HC Conversations podcast. I am Paul. I'm Phil. And today we're going to continue in our, uh, I guess, series? Yeah, it's a series. Our, uh, this season. Season. Uh, our theme for this season, where we're talking about um, de- deconversion yeah. uh, deconstruction. or deconstruction. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's the word. the word I was looking for. That's the one. Uh, so we're talking about different aspects of that each week, and today yeah. we're going to slightly diverge away from that main topic, although this does tie in a it little ties bit. In. It ties in. Um, based on some things that we've heard in the news recently and oh, are getting talked about on X, formerly known as Twitter. Uh, not that you know the social media people will really spend that much time on Twitter. I, I should say the vast majority of Americans, mm-hmm. but you know we hop on every once in a while to just see what. People are hippity hoppity. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Anger's on its way. <laughs> <laughs> See what all the uh, the chatter is about. Yeah, yeah. So, we and do. So, and so, in light of that, uh, we have some things uh, that we'd like to talk about today. Yeah, and we're, we're going to see how this this episode goes. Uh, we were just saying before we got on here that we should uh, just set a, a camera and a microphone microphone up in the um, the HC Connect room over there uh, because on Monday mornings we just we talk and, and the conversation is vast, we'll say. And so then we're like, hey, let's talk about that at the podcast. And then by the time we get to the podcast, though, it's like it feels stiff. Mm-hmm. We just have a camera on us and we'll just edit it up. But anyway, yeah, the conversation came up this morning. Um, or we began, we began talking about, and this has been a buzzword for a while. We may have talked about this a little bit, a little bit last week as well. I think so. And then we did um, several episodes on this in like 2020. Yes. Uh, and 2021. In 2021. So mm-hmm. we just keep talking about it. Yes. Uh, except <laughs> I feel like my position has changed since then. <laughs> or uh, or maybe mine hasn't, but the world has gotten so crazy that I'm just like, no, 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 stop yeah. it. So I, th- I think that's more likely. Yeah, I think that is. Uh, we're, we're talking today um, about Christian nationalism, which is a budword, but budword, a buzzword that's going around a lot. But to to quote Inigo Montoya from The Princess Bride, I do not think that means what you think it means. <laughs> <laughs> because Christian nationalism is a thing in which people take, um, they want to take Christianity, the Christian faith, enforce it as like the, the law of the land, legislate Christian faith to be kind of this this uh, governing ethic for all people and to make Christ, uh, make the nation Christian and take the nation back for God. And th- like those kind of language, those kind of words, that is a thing. However, why well, I say you do not, it does not mean what you think it means is that that is now being used to say any time that anything remotely Christian gets brought up in the public space that we instantly hear, Oh, Christian nationalism. No, oh, you can't do that. It's Christian nationalism. And I'm like, okay, there's a difference between Christian nationalism mm-hmm. And Christians who happen to be in a political sphere being informed by their faith. Right. So Christian nationalism, Phil, for our, our audience, uh, if you're not quite sure, it's, it's this perspective that, you know, isn't really a Christian perspective, but rather it has uh, at its core a desire to, to basically set up like a theocracy and impose Christian uh, values, Christian morality on a particular country, and you could have Christian nationalism, you have Islamic nationalism, you could have any type of religion having a nationalist perspective. So you say you could have any kind of religion, Paul. Um, could you have a secular progressive nationalism? Of course, and we have a lot of that in our country. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. Yeah. So I think, I think what we're going to get at in the heart that we're going to see is that any particular ideology, when it becomes all-consuming and um, instituted by force, whether that be physical force or just kind of coercive or legislative, like when when that becomes something that it, we have this mentality of like you will you will comply. This is what we will live mm -hmm. by, whether you like it or not. Uh, and our like our country, our nation, like our nation will revolve around this thing. That can be fill in the blank nationalism. So like right. you said, it can be Christian nationalism or Islamic nationalism or I don't know, Jewish nationalism or secular progressive nationalism, all of which are equally destructive yes. <laughs> in their own ways. Because none of them actually have at their core the desire to bring about human flourishing mm -hmm. for all people, but rather to impose a set of values that has um, really at its core a desire to make life better for me and for my group and mm -hmm. make it miserable for everybody else. Yes. Because we don't really care about them because yes. they're not part of our in-group. They're not, not part of our nationalist group. Exactly. And so if you're part of that group, it's great. Yeah. It, it would appear like things mm -hmm. are flourishing because you benefit from the systems and the structures that you have set up to pay you back. Yes. And so uh, we're going to have a slight critique today of... Uh, we're going to have a critique of the people that critique Christian nationalism, kind of, Okay, I suppose, is would be the right way of saying it. But to preface that by saying, like, okay, in the way that we just define Christian nationalism, we don't agree with it. We think mm. it's bad. Like, it, the, the, the way of Jesus, do, do I believe that um, people's lives in our nation would be better if people followed Jesus and there was a sense of, like, Christianity in our nation? Yes. I believe that 100% I believe that because as we say following Jesus makes your life better makes you better at life not easier but better you know mm -hmm. forgiveness and compassion and generosity and love of neighbor and love of enemies uh, and being a good steward of the things that we have and operating our families in a way that, that, that God has kind of laid out like all those things actually lead to human flourishing do I believe that yes do I believe that that should be legislated upon people that don't believe that no okay no. because we live in a pluralistic society yes so like let's let's lay that out right away to say that we do not agree with like the, the definition of Christian nationalism says you will be a Christian and you will like it and this is a Christian nation by golly and we're gonna we're gonna make it that way. But now let's critique the other side, okay? And I don't really mean critique like we're just setting out to critique, but just some things to think about. And I think I just kind of want to go through this this thread. Do you just want to go through this thread? Sure. And just kind of talk about it. Sure. So this came up, um, and and so so just so you know, this isn't these aren't our original ideas. So if you're mad, you know, <laughs> don't be mad at us. <laughs> Go find this guy. <laughs> Honestly, he's a very good follow on um, both X, the platform form formerly known as Twitter. He's also on Instagram and will share many of the similar things in a story or like a, a carousel post. Uh, his name is Josh Howerton. He's a pastor in Texas. I think it's Dallas, uh, but I'm not sure exactly. Go find this. He's got this story that says an unpopular take on Christian nationalism. Um, and let's just go through some of these, maybe talk about it a little bit, and just whatever comes to mind, and then we'll let people get off of here. Uh, so the, the opening thing that caught my attention was this first thread, right? There is a, uh, a, um, a headline that is highlighted, and here's the picture of the headline. Oh, Paul's going to see if you, you're not, they're not going to be able to see that. <laughs> did you just show that to the computer and not the camera? <laughs> I did. <laughs> you see, the camera up there is what's filming us, the computer... <laughs> I wish you could have seen that. Like he just held the phone up to the computer hey, screen. But you know what? They can kind of see yeah. the big white box. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, you can look this up and find it. The headline reads, um, 
from uh, this is what James Carville says. I don't even know who James Carville is, but whatever. Christian nationalists like Speaker Mike Johnson are a bigger threat than Al Qaeda. <laughs> a bigger threat to our nation than Al Qaeda is Christian nationalists. So you have this extreme kind of rhetoric. So I saw that and I'm like, oh, I need to read this. And so here he's like, hey, here's an unpopular take. Increasingly, any Christian politician or voter advancing their values is decried as Christian nationalism. And then he said the reality is in a thread to follow. A gentle watch, uh, a gentle watch out. The vast majority of the time that Christian nationalism is a, uh, it is a scare label whose subtext is you can't advocate for your values in the public square, but I can advocate for mine. Thoughts so far? No. No. Okay. So, so this is kind of being pitted as, okay, you have so-called Christian nationalists on one side, and then you would have secular progressive thinkers on the other side. And Christian nationalism is usually painted as Christians aren't allowed to advocate for their values, but secular people are allowed to advocate for theirs. Okay, so then he starts to pull some receipts, as they mm -hmm. say. Let me show you. So, quote, you can't enforce, enforce your beliefs on people who don't share them. Also them, and here's a headline from uh, a story in Maryland. Maryland court says parents cannot opt out of LGBTQ curriculum. It is not a fundamental right, right? So you can't force your beliefs on people who don't believe them, but we can in other areas. Um, them, you can't mix politics and religion. Also them, and it shows uh, the picture of the White House that is uh, lit up with lights for the rainbow flag for pride. Um, any thoughts so far? Or should I just keep reading? Just keep going. Okay. Just keep going. Secularists, he says, evangelical Christians are so politicized. But here's what the data actually shows. Secularists, atheists, and agnostics are the most politically partisan and politically active group in the U.S., far more than evangelicals. Quote, but, 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 but separation of church and state. I had to dramatize that, right? Because it's all, in all <laughs> it caps. It is in all caps. It is in all caps. Um, statement, secularism twisted the separation of church and state to mean opposite of its intent. Separation of church and state does not mean a separation of God and state, separation of morality and state, or a separation of politics and religion. How do I know? And he goes on. Here are some fast facts. The U.S. Supreme Court said in, 1892, in an 1892 ruling that this is a religious people. This is a Christian nation. Six out of the 13 original colonies required every public official to be a Christian and swear allegiance to Christian doctrines. Fast facts number two. When the Constitution was adopted, eight of 13 states had an official Christian denomination. Of the five uh, remaining colonies, four established Christianity as the official state religion. Fast fact number three. Fifty of the 55 men at the Constitutional Convention were Orthodox Christians. In their political literature... Um, the Apostle Paul was quoted as often as Montesquieu and Blackstone. Deuteronomy was quoted twice as much as John Locke. Separation of church and state means a separation of governments, that the leadership of the church and the leadership of the state shouldn't be the same, and its intent was to keep the state from interfering with the church. Like, for example, well, he's, he's just trying to kick the hornet's nest. Like, for example, <laughs> trying to shut down churches for 18 months. Winky face emoji. Uh, quote, yeah, but you're trying to impose your beliefs on people who don't share them. Yes, and so are you. Example, you say when I oppose abortion, my morality is opposed on the woman. But when you support abortion, your morality is opposed on the baby. The question isn't whether morality gets legislated. The question is whose morality gets legislated. Mm -hmm. Everyone in a democracy is advocating for beliefs as they think, the beliefs that they think are best for society um, that some don't share. Okay, and then here's all caps again. The church is getting more and more political. <laughs> No, this is the answer. No, politics is getting more theological. When you move past building roads and issuing driver's licenses to redefining marriage, erasing gender, cheering abortion as reproductive rights, and indoctrinating kids, 
we didn't move, politics did. Final thought, Christians must not embrace a political idolatry because Jesus is Lord, not Caesar. But Christians must also reject being gaslit into public square passivity that refuses to be salt and light in cultural decay. Uh, And a play is getting run on you. Reality, Uh, a marriage to the right, which I reject, is simply not in the universe of a net, the net problem that we're facing. And that feeling may be able to map onto a 1989 reality, but not onto a 2023 world. And then he kind of follows that up with, so he's getting at that idea of um, the kind of the right versus left divide and how it seems like all of the emphasis right now when it comes to kind of Christians mixing with the world is it's the right, it's the right, mm-hmm. it's the right, it's the right. Like, you know, uh, uh, the, what used to be called like the moral majority and these kind of things. That's why the reference of, hey, we're acting like it's still 1989. It's not, it's 2023. So before I get into the next part, Paul, thoughts. I, I just talked for a long time. You, you did. You, well, you read a lot. I read, I read, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, th- I feel like his observations are correct because, you know, I work uh, at another institution that is a state institution and I feel that. Yeah. Uh, especially like 2020, 2021, 2022, and then somebody resigned and that changed um but i was definitely feeling that like no you can't impose like your values you can't share your faith but we're going to impose our values on you and make you feel like you don't really belong to this institution unless you buy into our ideologies yeah this is off topic but it just reminds me so like you can't impose your values your faith your religion but they can impose theirs this becomes an issue of semantics because people say, but yeah, but what you believe is religion. Mm-hmm. What we're saying is just, I don't know, call it what you want, fact or science or the way the world is. But if you were to do one of those things where you took the label off of something and just described each one by its um, kind of its tenets or uh, the actions that one holds if you're mm-hmm. a part of that group and you were to line up, say, a um, Christian perspective or any religious perspective for that matter, versus a kind of like a secular, humanistic, progressive perspective, but you didn't have the labels on them, you would come to the conclusion that both of these are sets of religious doctrine. Yes, you would. Because <laughs> you have people who belong to these, you have doctrine that you follow, you have consequences like for sin and how right. you how you resolve stuff. Yeah, like, you have a salvation you have issue. What's, what saves you, yep. what are the people that you belong to. It's like, it may not be religion in the classical sense of what are the established religions that have existed for thousands of years, but in terms of practice, secular progressivism is as much of a religion as Christianity mm-hmm. is. So... Yes, so and secular progressive fundamentalism is very real and alive in our culture today. Uh, yes. And that leads us to the next part that you were going to talk about. Yes, so he's got a couple of different things to kind of combat the, the thinking then that, well, um, Christian nationalism is the only problem. It's not, it, we don't have to think about uh, what is happening on the opposite side of the extreme. So the, the again, the, the secular progressivism as we're talking it. So here's a graphic. He says the state is blue. Uh, and there is this little bubbly graphic. I might be able to, I'm going to try to download these and maybe I can slice them into the YouTube version of this. It's okay. going to be more work for me, but it's okay. Cause I, lo- I love you. He pointed at the camera, not the computer. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I love this computer. Who too? No, the, um, uh, but the graphic yes. is labeled whose employees have donated to Biden versus Trump. Right. And so it's just like this, the scale picture where you see 
little bubbles of all the major corporations and, and universities and universities and they're shaded like blue to red and it is mm -hmm. overwhelmingly is it's very 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 blue right uh, and then the next thing is the okay the money is also blue uh, and it's so uh, the candidates share of 2018 gross domestic product by country or by county in the 2020 presidential election. Mm -hmm. Way more blue than it is red. And then there's a chart. Academia is blue. Um, the, the vast outnumbering of Democrats versus Republicans in the academy. Journalism is blue. It's a pie chart that's just like massive, this massive blue circle with a little slice of red. And so in every area of public life, when, when it comes to, okay, what where is the overwhelming majority in terms of if something is uh, outweigh, like weighing like influence in society, is it Christian nationalism, Christian values, or is it progressive secularism? The objective data would show, actually, it's progressive secularism, mm -hmm. right? And so he brings it in then to, oh, here, here's what we think in the church. He says, the data, and parenthetical note, the pastoral reality for anyone pastoring people under the age of 40, that's us. That's, by the way, why we talk about these things. I don't really give a crap about politics. I don't really ever talk about political views or opinions. I don't, I don't go door to door. I don't put signs in my yard. But like we talk about this because we're pastoring a church, and we're pastoring a very young church, mm -hmm. right? Um, I don't, I don't have. The, what would you say the average age of our church is? I'd have to, look, I'd have to look at the data. I know. I would. Um, I'm like, forty. Oh, about forty, thirty-five to forty. Right. Uh, we don't have age data on some people in our database, yeah. but. But uh, just if you were to walk into Hope Community on a Sunday yeah. morning, what you're going to see, you're going to see a lot of, you're going to see young families um, in their, you know, 30s, like 20s, 30s, who are like got little, little kids. You're going to see, um, you're going to see a lot of teenagers, like front row worshiping. Okay. And so this is our reality. So mm -hmm. this is why this, these things stand out to us. He says the data in the pastoral reality. So for me and you and others like us, who's pastoring anyone under the age of 40, it simply shows that a disproportionate focus on a marriage to republicanism, which Christians should not do, he notes, you should not do this. Uh, it may not, it may, to, to, to do that, to focus only on Christian nationalism and the tide of the right, this is a good phrase, may be bringing a fire extinguisher to a flood, <laughs> meaning we're, we're missing one of the other dangers here. Um, and then he adds an uh, addendum, public Christian figures should ha uh, will have to be as wise you know, as serpents, and that's a, that's a quote from Scripture, something that, that Jesus has said. Um, because to uh, because out of a desire to seem as reasonable and fair-minded as possible, they'll willingly be used by hostile secular people who created the scare label, which is Christian nationalism he's talking about, to condemn it and feed the narrative that Christian political engagement is evil. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I kind of butchered that last thing, but basically he's saying, like, hey, like the pastoral reality, if you're trying to pastor people... We think about discipleship, right? We are all, whether you're a religious person or not, being discipled by something. Right. If you're going to be a Christian, you're called to be a disciple of Jesus, which means we have to push back against the other things that are discipling us. Mm -hmm. The data would show that, especially for younger people, we are being far more discipled by the values of secularism than we are by Christian, you know, nationalism. Christian nationalism. Yes. And so it's like, yeah, we need to speak it out. Now, maybe if you're talking about a group of people in their, you know, boomers, <laughs> easy boomer, people in their 50s, 60s, 70s, well, yeah, maybe they're being more discipled by Christian nationalistic mm -hmm. kind of tendencies. But the population is becoming, is, is more and more, it's skewing younger. 
it's skewing more diverse. And so as we're talking about discipling a, a younger, more diverse crowd, they are being discipled by secular yep. sources. So take it away, Paul. I'm done now. I, I really don't have much to add, but... But you should anyway. I will add that, um, so in light of that, you know, when it comes to Christian nationalism, not everything that secular progressives label as Christian nationalism that we hear in the media uh, when you hear somebody being attacked, you know, for all oh, that, you know, labeled a, a Christian nationalism or Christian nationalist, then you look at what they say and you just, you say, well, they're not really like trying to impose their, their Christian values on anybody, set up a, a Christian nation. They're just hold to Orthodox Christian beliefs. Mm-hmm. Well, now that's suddenly been labeled Christian nationalist. Yeah. Um, when, the data shows that that's not as big of a threat as secular progressivism. Mm-hmm. Neither one helps people flourish um, like the way of Jesus, the kingdom of yeah. Jesus that is not of this world, that is of neither political party. Um, and we were talking earlier about a documentary that's coming out oh, on, yeah. well, um, get to that. on Christian nationalism. And it's um, being produced by an atheist inter- interviewing people that have been uh, critical of Christian nationalists from a, a more Christian perspective. Um, but you ask what the goal is, and the goal of the documentary, the goal of the person is to paint all Christians. You can see that from the trailer, all Christians mm. as Christian la- nationalists, all Christians as bad. Um, yes. It, it creates a false binary, mm-hmm. whereas, like, okay, you're either the kind of Christian that broader culture has no problem with, like basically, hey, you know, you don't bother us. You basically embrace secular values and have a little bit of Jesus sprinkled on top. So you can either be that kind of Christian, and if you're anything other than that, you're a Christian nationalist. And conveniently, in the trailer for this video, it's like <laughs> they pick like the worst. You know, it's 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 very well done in terms of videography and like telling a story. They have just clips of people being interviewed, and they have that. Uh, you know, cut together with shots of like the January 6th march mm-hmm. at the Capitol and, and like the, the crazy preachers, like the crazy YouTube people. It's like, that's not the, where the majority of Christians are, no. but it paints this, this false binary of you can either be the kind of Christian that like everybody just agrees with you and things are happy and the secular world has no problem with you, or you're one of these crazy people. And we just categorically reject both of those. Mm-hmm. We just do. It's just... This is frustrating. Yeah, it is because <laughs> that's not the reality for most people, um, most Christians, I should say. Yeah. Um, that's not our reality as a church, uh, and who we're uh, we encounter, and who we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, and even within churches that would skew more Christian nationalists, not like you know, like the crazies that you see on YouTube, because it's like. All the crazies come together in those churches. <laughs> they do. <laughs> uh, Crazy attracts crazy, y'all. <laughs> but you might have like a handful of people in other churches that would mm-hmm. you know, identify as a Christian nationalist yeah. uh, and be very loud and very vocal. But the majority of that congregation would not hold to no. that perspective. No. Um, and it's just frustrating. It is really uh, frustrating. And trying to uh, disciple people and to, to help people to see the way of Jesus mm-hmm. uh, in light of these two cultural forces, but one that is actually a larger force according to the data, according to just personal experience. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's challenging. Yeah. But you, I think, have an example of somebody uh, that seems to be doing it right. Yeah, well, I mean, before I get into that, just you had said some things that just kind of sparked 
a thought or two. Um, Good, because I felt like a bumbling, no. bumbling fool, uh-huh. bumbling idiot. <laughs> because it's uh, Christmas time right now as we're recording this, and you said bumbling, I thought of Bumble. Mm. You know, the for some reason, my kids love Bumble. Bumble, <laughs> I've tamed him, the old Yukon Cornelius. Then yes. <laughs> <laughs> that brings up so many questions for Shiloh, like. Why does Bumble want to eat the animals? Uh, Why is he nice now? But Hermie pulled out all of his teeth. <laughs> <laughs> if, Why did that make him nice? If you if you have no idea what we're talking about right now, you you've had a sad life and childhood. You need yes. to go watch the old Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer, the old uh, Rankin and Bass, isn't it? The old holiday Rank, specials yeah. and starts off yep. with the silver and gold. Sam the Snowman. Yep. Okay. Anyway, back <laughs> bumbling. Um, so. To, to to want to, I guess, like eliminate um, viewpoints, it, it, it goes against, one, like the Christian nationalist debate goes against, I guess, where, where we would stand on our faith in terms of we don't think we should enforce our faith on people that, that don't want to hear it, but we do think that Jesus affects everything that we do, including our public life. And so we have to push back against it there. But then just on a, like, I don't know, like we're, we're Americans, right? From an American perspective and our constitution and our nation's history to say that your opinions, whether they're religious or not, don't have equal weight in the public sector is like just vastly goes against everything that this country was founded on. Yes. And it goes against (laughs) everything that secular progressives say that they value because they say they value Diversity, yes. equity, and inclusion, a ver- diversity of viewpoints. It's like, but in reality, it's no, we want unity uh, and uniformity of thought mm-hmm. and belief. You can look different, you can call yourself different things, but it, if you think and vote the exact same way that we do, then you can be part of then, us. Yeah. And so, and yeah, go ahead. That's not what a pluralistic society should look like. That's not how our nation was set up. No, it was not. And, and so it's like, okay, here, here's the ideal that we're straying so far away from. It's... Everybody in this pluralistic society gets to bring their ideas. You know, you get to vote, you get to voice your opinion, you get to if you are, are if you are a person who is in public office, what your personal convictions are influences the decisions that you make and the policies that you push for. We get to bring our ideas into the marketplace of ideas, into the public square. We get to debate these things, we get to talk about these things. And if you've got the best ideas, then your ideas should win. Like, we should not be afraid of other people's ideas and say we must silence them mm-hmm. because, you know, that's Christian or whatever. It's like, well, no, if your idea is better, present your idea, and then let's hash this thing out. And, you know, now I'm going to kind of toot the Christian horn. Got a horn I can toot? toot. No. Historically speaking, in every nation throughout history where Christianity has taken hold, life has gotten better for people. Mm-hmm. And historically speaking, when it has been squeezed out and, and religious expression in the public square has been said, you can have your private faith, but don't let that become public, that has always led to totalitarian states. <laughs> like one of the things, it's like when you study like the 20th century and you study the spread of communism, you, the, the, the Soviet Union and, and you know, China and all those things, it's like, well, we got to eliminate and eradicate Christianity. Like you cannot because it's a threat to those kind of things when it's practiced properly. So we need to have the free exchange of ideas, whether they're Christian or not. All right. That was, that was that. Oh, now back Con- to this. Continue right. on. Okay. So, so you don't think that we're Christian national crazy people by saying that we think secular progressivism is a threat. Um, there, there's another thing that I will draw you to that popped up in, in X this past week. And this was from a state representative from Iowa. 
So just random, right? Um, who wears a bow tie, so that makes him cool. I think so, anyway. <laughs> and just living his life, right? It's a state representative. They're pretty yeah. normal people. They're not like, you know, on the, the, the federal level. But he's a conservative. He's a Republican. I think he used to be a pastor. And apparently in Iowa, somebody has uh, erected a statue, an idol to, the, the Satanic Temple of Iowa has erected a statue to Satan in that's like a goat-headed weird thing in the Capitol building. And people are like, you got to get rid of this. you got to tear this down. And he has just this really good explanation of no, I don't. And he goes through, here's my response as a Christian. Here's my response as, you know, like a pastor. Here's my response as a state representative. And so he goes out of his way and says, this is, this is wrong. This is evil. This is abhorrent. This is, but then he goes on to say, and so here's what this requires of us. This requires me to share the gospel of Jesus. This requires because the, the message of Jesus is light and life and beauty and goodness, and this thing is, is dark and evil. And so like, he goes through all that part, and he says, but here is my, my responsibility as a representative in a pluralistic society. Our national constitution and also the constitution of the state of Iowa says that there is freedom of expression, and any organization is allowed to uh, set up some sort of display in the Capitol building for like two weeks at a time. It's like, that's the law of the land. It's my job to uphold that. If I start, t basically, if I tear that down and say, you can't do this, then what's to stop anybody from saying the same thing about my Christian faith? And so I think it's just a really, really good example. Mm -hmm. But then you had Christians coming out of the woodwork from a particular bent who are like, you're weak and you should be doing this. And, and one even, it's interesting that all of the examples that they give in the, the scriptures that they quote are Old Testament passages about the nation of Israel. And I'm like, y'all have never been taught to read your Bible well because we are not Israel. Yeah, I know they're not eating kosher. Because <laughs> he brings up, you know, the the, um, the, the time in uh, the Old Testament, things are really, really bad, and King Josiah, like, the, the, the law is rediscovered, and he's, like, they're, like, the people weep, and he's like, go out and tear down all the idol statues. And so they're like, well, you should do that. And I'm like, this isn't Israel, like, set up with God as king. This is not a theocracy as Israel was set up to be. Like, Jesus, it's not about a land and a place and... You know, it's about the kingdom of God that permeates everything, everywhere. Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. So it's just a massive mistake in theological categories. But I think this was a good response for him to come out and say, mm -hmm. listen, this is wrong, and I, I absolutely hate it, and we should push back against this, but we should push back with the gospel of Jesus. We should spread his gospel, that we should evangelize, that we should, we should do, he didn't say this, but here's what I'm taking, do like what Paul did on, on Mars Hill in the book of Acts to go up and be like, okay, he reasoned with yes. them and said, here's, here's what you think and here's what you've been, been taught. Here's why the message of Jesus is better. We should have that posture, not the posture of, well, by golly, by force, we will just smash these things and mm -hmm. beat you into submission to believing what we believe. Yeah. So uh, if you want to check that out on, on uh X. This is he's Representative John Dunwell, um, and and you can see he's caught in lots of flack for that. But you know, don't be a Christian nationalist, but don't define Christian nationalism as anything that you simply disagree with. Right. Christians are allowed to have their voice in the public square as well. Yeah, I think that's all I have. Okay. So if you're going to follow Jesus, as Phil said, our goal is to be salt and light. Uh, to speak words of truth, uh, to speak words of grace, speak words that bring life and flourishing, not use our speech to tear people down, uh, and not use our speech to force our opinions, our perspectives on people, because our king did not even do that. 
King Jesus, uh, could have called down a legion of angels to rescue him from his captors, and he chose to be in control and allow himself to be crucified because death thought that that was the greatest power that it had was to kill the king of the world, the savior of the world. But Jesus rose three days later and showed death that it had no sting, that it had no power. And so we're supposed to imitate our king in doing that with our lives, with our speech, with our actions. Yeah. And also might I just add into that and to declare the gospel. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes we can think, I'll just, you know, I'll live a Christian life and my life will just be my witness. No, we're called to declare the gospel. Yes. Apostle Paul said, how will they hear without somebody preaching to them? He says that the the gospel is the power of God. Mm -hmm. How will they hear you unless someone tells them? Um, That's that's how we push back against these things. Not with force and aggression, but with Mm -hmm. the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yep. All right. Thanks for tuning in for this December episode. Oh, yeah. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Forgot about that at the beginning. Happy New Year. We'll see you in January. Yeah, we will. And we will be back in January with another episode as we continue our conversation about deconstruction. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. 